Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just just in, we have a a new guest, Patrick Manelli. Patrick Manley, the longest tenured player in Chicago Bears history. I just uh, want to thank the Bears organization for an incredible 16 years. Score football pregame and postgame show co-host. We're winning ugly, which means the offense sucks. Master in the art of the long snap. Do you have any kids? I do. Check out longsnapper.com. Have them start early to learn how to long snap. He even has a signature beer. Long snapper IPA. The can, the artwork's me long snapping a ball on top of an El Camino. I have an El Camino, so the artwork's great. The beer's great. Patrick Manley. That was a good snap. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 to score. How long does it take to grow the mullet? The gourmet mullet? Why is it gourmet? Because it's awesome. Let's talk with Patrick Manley, who you can find on Twitter, at Patrick Manley. You can also find him right here on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Patrick is the co-host of the Score Football pregame show, Sunday 9 a.m. to game time, and the postgame show that begins the end of the game, host of Golf 360. Patrick, uh, we're talking about a a lot of different things right now, but uh, what is uh, heavy on our minds is... What happened last night and yes. the prognosis for DeMar Hamlin? What was your, uh, what what did you think and feel as this was going on? Yeah, so I was actually watching the game. I've listened to you guys this morning just because I wanted to catch up to get your thoughts and, and get some more information of what was going on. But my wife and I were watching the game and I just said, oh my God. And my wife's like, what happened? She looked up from her phone and we sat there kind of in silence for the next, what, 30, 45 minutes just watching all that was taking place. And What scared me the most, guys, is, you know, I was lucky to play a long time in this league. You see injuries every week. Um, You see guys carted off. Um, You don't see the ambulance come out often, but you you see major injuries. You see guys tear their knees, head injuries. And everybody's – you're not desensitized to it. That's not the right way to say it, but you understand it's part of the game. And so you look at people and your teammates around you. You're trying to figure out the severity of what's going on. Then you can kind of figure out, oh, it might be an ACL. Okay, oh, it's a concussion or whatever. And guys kind of react, and you can understand their reaction. Like, okay, we've seen this before. He's going to be okay. When you saw the reaction of the guys on the field crying, putting their hand over their mouth, turning away, uh, burying their head on the turf, that scared me. That meant to me that, you know, they've seen a lot of other injuries in the league before, and this was something different. And it was completely different, obviously, what we're finding out now. And that's what made it so scary. And I just I hope this young man turns out to be okay. But it's uh, it's a scary feeling because you become really close with your teammates. You know, it's it's a brotherhood. Some guys you're closer with others, but you know, the teammate, the, the, the just the 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 bonds you build with these guys become very close. And it's uh, got to be hard for both those teams to be on that field to see that. 
Uh, it's hard for me being an NFL veteran seeing that, but for the Buffalo Bills and what they're going through to see one of their teammates go down like that, it's got to be very, very tough. When Johnny Knox got hurt, mm-hmm. how did you all deal with that in real time? Yeah, so I had a different situation. That's the first thing I thought about. I had tore my ACL that season a couple weeks prior, and then that week before I had an ACL surgery. I was sick of sitting at home. I wanted to go to the game. They said, well, you can't be on the sideline with your knee and all that stuff. So I was sitting in the training room. So I had a little bit of different perspective that I was in the training room watching it and seeing the replay over and over and over. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. You know, just thinking about Johnny's, you know, three years playing with that guy. And that's what I'm talking about. Just you're even within three years, Johnny Knox was loved in that locker room. I was good friends with him. Um, And to see a teammate go down like that is very difficult. So I'm sitting in the training room. And next thing you know, I see the cart go out and I'm trying to get off the training table to get out of the training room to give him his space and all the doctors for everything. And one of the assistant trainers comes running in. He's like, no, 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 you can stay right there. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, we have to take him directly to the hospital. And that's when, again, as a teammate, you're more scared because then you think it's more severe because most of the times get injured, guys get injured, they go to the training room, the doctors take care of them there. But that was scary. That was very scary. So I was not on the sideline with my teammates to get their reaction, but that was my reaction to it that, you know, you just feel terrible for him. And then to hear that he's not coming to the training room, going to the hospital is just even scarier. I, I mean, that must have been awful for you because, mm-hmm. like, you're 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 having to deal with this alone. Yeah, I was. I was sitting there by myself, and you just watch. And the sad thing too is, you're on the field, right? You don't see the the replay. It's like being at home. You get you, you see the replay, and you see the severity of it, and you you see it over and over and over. And that was what the scary part was that you could tell how severe it was. And then when you watch, you know, all the medical staff running out there, it was scary. But um, yeah, it's just, it's not fun. That's that's just part of this game, though, guys. You know, when we sign up for it and we play, we know it's a possibility, but you never want to see it to happen. But um, God, it's just awful. I, I just feel terrible for that kid and terrible for those those guys, and uh, just hope everything's okay. I find it interesting that you initially used the word desensitized, mm-hmm. and then you said we're not desensitized to it. Right. And yet, the more I think about it, I think it's a matter of semantics. It is. I it I, is, I, yeah. I think you you must desensitize yourself from the literal definition of that. It you 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 have to compartmentalize to the point where you wouldn't be able to do your job no, if you, you were, if you were sensitive to what was actually happening out there and what the real dangers were and are. Yeah, and I guess I mean it is it is that I'm just, I'm not a wordsmith like you, but it is like uh, Michael Schofield goes down, looks like an ACL, right? You know, and then the next guy's got to come in. You just keep playing, and then the sad thing is he tears his ACL at the end of the year. He might be all done for next year. This could be his career being kind of a journeyman guy. So. That's stuff you, you process and you deal with, but again, it's just part of the business, and that's the really tough part of the business when you become close to these guys and see things like that happen to them. As a captain, not a player rep, but as mm-hmm. a captain, what did you think of the way that – it seemed to me I, – I don't have any proof to back this up, but it seemed to me the decision to, to not play this game yeah. was made on the field, not from 345 Park Avenue. 100%. And I, I, I feel like that. I'm glad you brought that up. And I know you guys discussed a little bit in the first part, but being in that locker room, being around and being a you know veteran player, captain, whatever you want to call it, players have a lot of say. You know, they can go to, I mean, I've seen, let's just say, this is a stupid thing. We've been in practice locker rooms late in the year and they're like, oh, we're wearing full pads. And guys are like, no, we're not. You guys go talk to the head coach. We can't wear full pads. We're too beaten up. We've got to get our voice known that, you know, we've got to change this. This is obviously a different situation, but I'm just saying that players can go to their coaches and make things happen. 
And I'm just wondering how much those two coaches in their locker rooms are looking around at each other, guys with their pads off, talking to each other, praying, talk, you know, doing whatever they're doing, grieving, whatever they're doing about the situation. They're like, Mike, I can't put these guys out there. We just cannot play a game. And I'm hoping the players noticed that as well, went to the coaches and said, listen, you know, we've been taught everywhere from every level in football. It's, you know, they're up in locker rooms, they're in meeting rooms, they're all over buildings in NFL football, college football, high school football, faith, family, and football, right? In that order. Football's third. And I think that's just been what players have been taught their entire career, and that's the way it should be. And that's what, to me, is important that they make the decision. We can't go out there and play. Football's third. This is about, you know, this is about health, family, faith, whatever it is. And then football's way down the list. So I, I, I do feel, Lawrence, that they went to their coaches. And if not, the coaches saw how they were, were dealing with this. And, like, there's no way we can go play a game. I don't even think it, you, it has to be organized or it has to be formalized. Look at their faces. That's exactly. And, and exactly. That, and that's the body it, language. Right. Yes. Right. And, and, and any coach worth their salt, at the very minimum, can feel that. That's, mm-hmm. your, that's your job. That's, yes. I mean, that, that empathy, that understanding as a manager, as a leader, as a coach, is to know that. And I thought it was overwhelming that both coaches under. This station is participating in a test of the Illinois Emergency Alert System. This system was developed to provide information to the public during emergencies. This was a test. Their pads off, I'm not going back out there. So how do you feel the team if you don't have everybody going out there to play? That could have been done as well. I mean, I, you know, guys are going to give their voice, especially in a situation like this. And the other thing, too, is you guys have seen it. Coaches, head coaches are closer to some players, you know, their captains or whoever. They might not even be captains to get the voice of the team. So I'm sure those conversations are going on as well. But I do, I would not be surprised if a lot of players took their pads off and said, blank this, I'm not going back out there. This is bull if you even think we're going to do it. Um, you know, we're, we're stuck here together. Game's over. Patrick, what was the heart thing that you had? AFib, atrial fibrillation. Um, that's just your, your heart gets out of rhythm. Um, I had it happen on like a Wednesday during practice or during the, uh, in between practice, I went to the treadmill and, uh, didn't feel right. It was scary. Went to the training room. They sent me to the hospital. They had to do the old paddles on me to, to get me back into normal rhythm. Um, so it was a scary time, but what I did is, you know, I talked to shoot four or five heart doctors, leading heart doctors around the country, and they guaranteed me I would be fine after that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up playing that weekend, but I did my due diligence of talking to the right doctors and getting the right medical information to make sure I was okay, but it was a scary time. But did you have an ablation felt, or, or just no, the defibrillation? Not. Okay. Just to, they did the uh, IV drop at first, um, uh, excuse me, IV drip at first. Some people get back into rhythm that way and they couldn't get me back into rhythm. They're like, sorry, we've got to put the paddles on you. And that was a little scary. And fortunately I was okay. You were, never had you a problem were, since. You were bruised though, right? Because of the Oh, man, I was sore as can be because just picture this. This is kind of you, you basically just fold in a V because you're getting shocked so hard, your whole body, you know, contracts. So I was very sore for the next two days. Wow. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a hard left turn to talk about anything that has to do with football. Mm-hmm. But would love to know if, if you're in the Bears locker room, do you want to see Justin Fields play this week? 
I do. Um, I do. I'm just a firm believer, but I've gone back and forth. I went back and forth on the post-game show uh, this past week that I'm a believer. If you're, if you're healthy, you play. Um, but here's my problem, and I love what Justin Fields is saying, and I love what he said about Chase Claypool and all that stuff too, but I just think he's become a leader for this team, and he's obviously the face of the franchise. But you want the guy to go out and play. But I think there is a time when a coach needs to step in and say, nope, you're done. Safety, health, you know, coach talked about these are experiences for him. Right, but what kind of experience is it? I mean, that, some of the stuff in the second half of last last game, but that's not an experience. That's running for your life. That's not really processing football and, and getting valuable reps. So I think sometimes a head coach can just step in and say, listen, uh, I pulled him for these reasons. Justin wanted to play. He begged to play, you know, all that kind of stuff, but I pulled him. I want him to start the game. If it gets ugly like it did last week, it's time to sit him. I, I, I believe that, and I'm not one to say that normally, but it got that ugly with – with so many injuries up front, it's it's really difficult to execute an offense. Look, Patrick, I'm I I don't like using the word quit because I know how hard guys right. plan and prepare to play, but that really felt like quit on Sunday. It, it was ugly, man. It, it's a little bit of both, man. When we talked about the talent, I, I was joking on the post game show that I'm pulling up the roster, and I'm supposed to be a Bears expert. I'm pulling up the roster to figure out who some of these guys are out there late in the game after some of these injuries. And that's just that's just what it is. They don't have the talent, and then it just felt like, hey man, this thing's out of control. A uh, couple guys I do question: Juwan Brisker lately, just the last couple weeks, his effort has not been there the same way, kind of in the run fits and just his tackling, what he's done before. Um, so yeah, some of the effort is bad, but overall, to me, it's mostly a talent deficiency, and that's that's the biggest problem with this team, and that's that's what stinks with the NFL late in the year like this. And I've been on teams like this. You're you're playing with guys that were practice squad guys that came in in week 11 and they ended up being starters and you just know you don't really have a chance to win not e- even off the street guys yeah that's who, what i mean i mean get, not just practice squatters who you were in training camp with guys just randos yes. who were trying to stay in shape and and, yeah. and and the fact is and we called it we knew it we knew it when we saw this roster we knew when we saw that the, the bottom third of the roster even at the start of the season was horrendous and knowing that December and January were going to be ugly, this is what it looks like. This is this is when ugly comes home to roost. And I would not play Justin Fields. They they can dress it up and 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 describe it however they want, but they have to make sure they don't win this game because <laughs> you you don't you don't come this far in your bottoming out right. year. You you come you you are this close to grabbing a top two pick. And the difference between a top two and a top four is material. So don't true. screw it up. Very true. No, and I agree with that because you trade down for one, you're getting a boatload of picks and good picks, right? So I understand that. But there's a way to window dress it. Dress them up, play them a couple series, then pull them. Okay. You know, that's just I, just, I just, I think you're sending a bad message to the team if you're trying to build the culture and what he's talking about with, uh, you know, building a standard and a culture here. I think it's a bad message if you sit him from, you know, you just put him in a street clothes uh, at the beginning of the game. I, I, I would not do that if I'm a coach. After two months of this, what do you make of the situation with Chase Claypool? <sighs> Question mark, man. I don't understand it. But like I said, I, what what Justin Fields said. Uh, oh, here was sad. To, to, what he said about Chase Claypool and what the way he acted on the sideline, that's a leader. That's a guy that's well-respected in that organization. That's a guy that I love the way he said it. And I don't like the way that Chase Cool went about it. And what I do hate is he did not answer for his actions. All players hate answering for other players and their bad actions, play or whatever it is. Stand up for yourself. Talk about what you did, why you did it. Don't have somebody else talk about you for what you're doing wrong. That, that's one thing to me that 
I can't stand. So that gives me a little bit of a black eye about uh, what I've seen so far. But the other thing is, how injured is he? I don't know. Um, so is that why there were limited snaps in the first half? But then the second half, he plays more. And then they don't target him. So I, I don't know. But I do not like what I saw from the game, the way, uh, the way he went about his actions and having another teammate have to answer for you. I've been trying to figure out whether or not it, it makes – like if you were going to play Justin, like could you just say, all right, Justin, we're, we're going to run 10 plays and get you out of there. You're, you're going to primary target Claypool on okay. six of them. You know, like and, and yeah. make that the thing. Can something like that be done? And does do, would it have any value at this point? Or is the value in them getting to the offseason, working together at some offsite, and then getting into it as the, the preseason stuff starts? Well, I think you could kind of handle what you said the word. You could handle this game like a preseason game. Yeah, you call those plays like you're talking about, because I think those live game reps are very valuable. Seven on seven during the offseason with Chase Claypool, that's not realistic football. Get him as many live reps in that game as possible, but treat it maybe like a preseason game. That If it's going well and he is protected and everything's okay, keep him in there, keep him going. But if it does get out of control like the, the Lions game, 24 to 10, and just, kind of, you know, just out of control up front, then you pull him. But I think those reps are very, very valuable. I understand having him healthy for the offseason, all that kind of stuff. But every, everybody plays every game. There's a chance to get injured, but I think those reps are valuable if they are a good experience. Good stuff today, Patrick. Thank you. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. Patrick Manley, next up, Pete Futek in the wild world of college football. He will join us. Yeah, he's got thoughts on the quarterback, too. Because we had this whole discussion about Justin Fields versus the field in college football, and would you take one of those guys over Justin Fields? So we can we can mess around with Pete on that as he previews the national championship game. We'll do that next. It's Bernstein and Holmes on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Pete Futek, college football analyst. Jalen Carter, I'm in love with defensive tackles. He is the defensive guy in this draft. He should go number one overall. If you can get him... That's your guy. Co-host of BetQLU in the action. You lose money if you don't listen to this show. Publisher of collegefootballnews.com. The NFL draft has been Big Ten SEC. 44% of the talent from those two conferences take up the NFL draft for the last bazillion years. Pete Futek with Bursey and Holmes on 670 The Score. Let's talk some college football with Pete Futek, who is on Twitter at Pete Futek. He's with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. An improbable, perhaps, matchup 
for the national championship after two absolutely sensational semifinal games. Let's start there with your your first blush when you thought you you realized these are the teams that are going to meet for the title. Sucks. Why? It's, it, it, I'm not buying into TCU. Uh, it just it, it's. I, I get it. I, I you know, they made it, but Michigan just gagged and. Look, had it's it's not up to the officials in that Michigan game that uh, the Michigan allowed 967 yards of total TCU offense on like two drives in the third quarter, but they should have been up 21-3. They got cutesy with their play calling. They got away from what worked all year long and give it up to TCU. They they were still in the game. They outcoached them. They outplayed them when they needed to, and they came through when they had to, and they blocked and tackled better. Now we get to see, you know, after we were blessed, like you said, with two great semifinal games, I think you're going to get a very methodical Georgia team that TCU's plucky and hangs around for a little while. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the, you know, midway through the third quarter, we're looking for something else to do. Are you in Cliff Kingsbury's house? Well, if you'd listen to the BetQL show for the first, you know, f- you know, six weeks of the season or something, you know, maybe, you know, this could all be, you know, yours for the, wow. that. And just, uh, yes, I wish ah, I was a Cliff there you are. Houses. Okay. Oh, that oh, blue skies and the sun. It, uh, like, it's, it, I tell you, we live in a stupid place. I love Chicago, but uh, yeah. Pete, it, it's actually like gotten darker since Dan and I started our show today. <laughs> yeah, and then I come on and make it even that much more black. Yeah, no, I, I I like the fact that you're you're out here trying to live the good life. All right, I'm coming back in two days. So, hey man, you, you do what you can, and that's all that it's about. I thought that we were done with Jim Harbaugh wanderlust. Are you hearing the same things that other people are reporting about him in the NFL? Who's gonna pay him? Like, and the, this is what, look, if the, if the Vikings didn't lowball him, he's probably the Minnesota Vikings head coach. But, like, seriously, like, can you name all 32 NFL head coaches? Like, who's Matt Eberflus? You know, who's, you know, who's any of these coaches? I mean, they went with no name guys because they didn't want to pay the high name guys from the college world. And so, part of the issue here now is if you're a college coach, if you're Jim Harbaugh, it pays better. Not only do you get paid more to begin with being a college football head coach, not do you get to be the emperor of your entire domain, but you win three games in a row and you get a contract extension up until 2095 and it's all guaranteed. So why would you take the sucker bet of the, the NFL world if you're going to get paid and do that much more in the college game? So what other conclusions are to be had from any of these other bulls? Take your pick, whether it's Tulane or Penn State, or is there is there anything that stood out to you and say that mattered? A bunch of things can be true at once here. One, the Tulane win over USC matters because it just gives you the idea that, you know what, when we expand the college football playoff, yeah, maybe not every game is going to be 55-3. to uh, And TCU beating Michigan. Again, I think if they play that game nine more times, Michigan beats them each time by 24. But they didn't. So I, I kind of think that this whole narrative that, oh, great, we're going forward. We're just going to have more bad football. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. And I think is the, the second part is, as this bowl season showed, dear God, does there need to be a tweak? Because these games were, I mean, ha- that Iowa – 
game was probably the worst sporting event in the history of competition. You know, less, yesterday's LSU win over Purdue wasn't that far off because guys just aren't playing in them. I mean, if you lose, if you're LSU, you can lose a bunch of your frontline stars and still put 63 on the board. You can't do that if you're Purdue or apparently if you're Kentucky. So the bowl season has to be changed, and that should be helped with an expanded college football playoff in two years because we're going to have a bridge a week. We're two weeks after the uh, regular season, then the first round comes, and everyone will be into that. We can still have our other, you know, Ball State versus Utah State-ish games, and then we get into the the real meat of it, where we know now, like the New Year's Day games. How did you feel that Jalen Carter played in the semifinal? When he was out there, he was great. I mean, like, he he did a good enough job, but uh, he certainly, between the Bama guys, between the Georgia guy, between the Georgia players, I mean, these guys who were actually playing in these things all but cemented themselves further. C.J. Stroud looked amazing. Uh, and so now, I mean, look, all the guys who you already kind of liked all of a sudden got better. The other thing, big noted thing here is Keishon Booty from LSU decided he was actually going to go to the NFL after all he's a you know top 20 caliber uh draft pick which matters for the bears because if they do the right thing and trade out of that number two pick or number one whatever it becomes so someone else can take a bryce young or uh will levis or cj stroud and you want to stock up on first round picks yeah maybe at the 20 to 30 range you get yourself a wide receiver along with whatever else you're going to get earlier out in the hall of number one picks that you should be able to get for that slot i was kicking around the question yesterday on the show pete about which quarterback was going to be the unlikely late riser who's got both the collection of traits and enough of, of a you know, pro day performance and somebody's going to fall in love with him. Levis Anthony is, Le, I was just going to say Levis is one, but then I thought Anthony Richardson of Florida, somebody is going to say, oh my goodness, once we get our hands on that, those, those natural resources, we're going to produce something. Josh Allen. That's the, the entire Josh Allen argument. Everyone forgets that Josh Allen could not complete a pass at Wyoming. Uh, and that was the argument. You've got the guy who's got absolutely everything. 6'5", 240, can run, you know, has the, the arm strength. Everything you want in, a, in, in, techni- you know, in terms of the, the traits in a quarterback, the measurables. But he was only like a 54% uh, accuracy in, in Wyoming. And obviously that turned out to be fixed. Same thing with Anthony Richardson, where you're going to see what he can do. And you're gonna, like you said, any offensive coordinator worth his salt is going to be like, yeah, if you give me a little time to kind of, tweak some things work with some things the 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 sky's the limit and to me the big call is Bryce Young where where's the we're now going to get into the negatives on Bryce Young well he's not 65 240 that's it the, it stops there i mean he is the smartest guy in the room when it comes to be able to read defenses his accuracy he's got enough of an arm strength that just the question is do you want a 6 foot you know 110 pound pocket passer <laughs> and put your whole offense around him so but he showed again, he's just the most talented quarterback. He's just not built like you want an NFL quarterback to be built. Yeah, you were out here trying to convince me on Twitter that, that I should I should want the Bears to go get Bryce Young instead of keeping Justin Is, Fields. Yeah, I'm, I, as I did, I channeled your, your partner there. Is Justin Fields going to win you a Super Bowl? Is. Do running quarterback. Give me the guy who runs. And I know Justin Fields can throw, and he's going to be get, get there. But give me the guy who runs who wins Super Bowls. Bryce Young doesn't run. C.J. Stroud can run, doesn't run. Give me the, give me the guys who, you know, it, is Justin Fields going to be the guy who holds up a Lombardi? 
And look, for whatever reason, be it Mannings, Russell Wilson, you know, Brady's. That, that would be one of the guys that runs and. Yeah, but he was also a historically accurate passer. Yeah. Same with Steve Young. So, Steve, you know, so there are guys who can run. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers could run. And even Drew Brees, you know, back a little bit could actually move a little bit, at least when he was at Purdue. But, uh, but again, Justin, you don't trade Justin Fields, obviously. It's not going to happen. He's your franchise quarterback. But you could make the case that if you're telling me that Bryce Young with that frame can hold up, you're, you're right. Your comp for Drew Brees is probably right on the money. Yeah, I look at him and I go, he's got – I haven't seen a quarterback like him in a long time where I felt for sure he has real command of uh, – not and he hasn't been there yet – of an NFL passing attack. Like, I, I, I feel that way when I watch him play the position, that he understands where people are supposed to be, and he's so good anticipatory throws, and he's really good at – uh, allowing a play to develop and not leaving the pocket necessarily uh, and, and and making up the field and and then making a throw that backs up why he was waiting. How, how, how about they didn't have any wide receivers this year? There was no uh, Jamison Williams there. They didn't have John Mechie there. They didn't have, you know, a Devontae Smith there. You know, they, they've got some young guys who rose up, but who led the t- team in receiving? Jameer Gibbs, their running back. Cameron Latou is their key guy on third downs, their tight end. So you want to talk about a guy who knows how to hit the, hit the running backs, knows how to hit the tight ends, knows how to check down when he needs to, can still air it out. He still averaged a gajillion yards per throw and can kind of do it all. And look, absolutely unflappable in some of the most pressure-packed situations possible in the final few minutes of games. Uh, he's just got everything again but the body type, and that's where Anthony Richardson comes in. That's where Will Levis comes in. That's where some of these guys who, who can play. And, and again, I, I think once you start breaking down, the people start breaking out tape even more, they're going to look at what C.J. Stroud did against Georgia and say, yeah, there are some plays there that that guy made that, that not a whole lot of people can make. And you might go back to the original question, I again, he doesn't have the body type, doesn't have the measurables, doesn't have the size. I certainly didn't put him on my ballot. But man, if we could vote for the Heisman over against good old Stetson Bennett, that was a drive for the ages. He's just kind of a guy who guys now figures out how to hit hit his guys and be able to make passes when he gets time to throw. He might be one of those like crazy fifth, sixth round guys who turns into a Case Keenum or something like that. So there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. He might make more money just hanging out and. Athens, though, <laughs> exactly. If he, if he, if he can come back for a nineteenth year, he's already. He's already. Aren't those those stats where Stetson Bennett is, he is older than, than Justin like, Fields? I, he's no, like I think he's than older than, like than Lamar Jackson. That's right. Yeah, that, that's what Lamar it is. Jackson. He's yes. older than Lamar yes. Jackson. Yes. I think Tom Brady's the only guy. Then he's <laughs> younger than. But uh, yeah, he's a little bit older. But uh, yeah, but the, but again, so he comes in ready. You know what you're getting, and that's one of those guys. Like you said, if you're one of those GMs that says every draft I want to take a quarterback. All right, sixth round, you take Stetson Bennett. There's your you know number two or three to hang around for a while. What do you check? Hold on, real quick. What? What? I just want to know: Is there any way that you could see the upset in the national championship game? Sure, if the if you know TCU can play. I mean, they got Max Tebow underneath center there. They've got a team full of speed. Their 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 number ones are are good enough. Their coaching has been fine. And this is not the Georgia defense of last year. I mean, it's they just showed that against the, against Ohio State. So this could be a more of a shootout. I like the over on this game to start with. And uh, if you do see an upset in the national championship, yeah, it's good. 
going to be because uh, TCU just kind of has the same playbook where that offense just kind of keeps working with a bunch of big plays. They hang around, hang around, hang around. Georgia screws up, and all of a sudden TCU pulls it off like they did against Michigan. Pete, appreciate it, man. Great stuff. Thanks. Later, guys. That is Pete Futek of College Football News. We're going to do High Noon next, and mine is actually a sports story. Oh. And it has to do with an invite to the Masters. Oh, that's a cool story. That didn't go to the right place. Uh-huh. I've got a, a newscast that um, a small mistake was made, and everyone had fun with it. We'll do that next. Three. Bernstein at Homes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? This is High Noon, and we have begun the show in large part by talking about a, a very strange night uh, to be a sports consumer last night here in Chicago as we were watching a historic Bulls collapse and historic performance by Donovan Mitchell and then we flip over some of us and, and try to make sense of what was happening in Cincinnati and the, the latest that we know is all that we have known to this point regarding DeMar Hamlin and that is just that he did suffer a cardiac arrest he was resuscitated and now he is resting at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center and we're awaiting further comment from the family or from doctors, from the team, from the NFL. Talked with Patrick Manley, talked with Pete Futek, and also really discussed how things happened last night and the agency, the power of players to decide they weren't going to play. And it, it does seem like it was because of, of them and not because of anybody else. Which is probably the way that it should be Absolutely. in a situation like that. It's like a lot of people, I find myself scrolling Instagram reels, and occasionally you run across something that is fun or funny. This is from the Today Show in Australia, where they were talking about footy. We're watching um, some footy game mm. in America, the Rams and the San Francisco 69ers play Whoa, some rubbish what? game. <laughs> 40! <laughs> 40. <laughs> 49ers! But that sounds much more interesting. Yes! <laughs> A lot of people might pay to see them. <laughs> That's what we were doing. The 49ers. That's much harder to explain to your wife. Yeah, it's pretty hard to explain to your wife. That's not a wife. That's a wife. That's a wife. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought that there would be a, l- a little bit of joy that we could have with how silly it is and is an honest mistake. And it was a lot of fun. We're watching um, some footy game in America. The Rams and the San Francisco 69ers play some rubbish game. (laughs) 49ers. The best part about it is that it was clear that she kind of wanted to do some analysis on it. She called it a rubbish game before not realizing that she had gotten the name of the team that she was watching wrong. Is that Wake Up with Carl and Sarah? I guess. That'll wake you up. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the people who heard that live were like, wait, what? Those that's what they got going on in America these days? Might have to make my way up there. Go well, to I, San Francisco. I, I'm I'm sure that it might not have been 
Sutter's Mill, but I'm sure they were still prospecting gold in 1869. Sure. It's only 20 years after the rush, right? Sure. They didn't stop there. They didn't get all the gold out of them there hills in, in 20 years. Come on. Could you imagine the helmet logo for that? Yes. Yes, I could, actually. Or is it horizontal? Never mind. Scott Stallings received an invitation to the Masters. And the Georgia resident most likely will be there as a guest of the PGA Tour player by the same name for whom the coveted invitation was intended. Stallings, who qualified for the Masters by reaching the Tour Championship last year, didn't realize what had happened until the other Scott Stallings sent him a series of messages on Instagram alerting him to the mail mix-up. Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well, and I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer, too, the man wrote. I received a FedEx today from the Masters, inviting me to play in the Masters tournament April 6th through 9th, 2023. I'm 100% sure this is not for me. Invitations were sent to eligible players the week before Christmas when club chairman Fred Ridley announced the criteria would be unchanged in the previous year. Stallings said he checked his mail every day and began to wonder where his was. Honestly, I thought my wife had it was doing something for Christmas, Stallings said Monday at the Century Tournament of Champions. But then nothing came. And we left two days after Christmas. I didn't even think about it. And then Instagram solved the mystery of the two Stallings, one of them from St. Simons Island in Georgia. The other, a three-time PGA Tour winner from Knoxville, Tennessee, who's going to the Masters for the third time. He still hasn't seen the actual invitation. He said, I just saw a picture of it from the other Scott Stallings with his wife with the same name as mine, Stallings said with a laugh. Don't they live in the same state, Well, too? Here, here's how it happened. Stallings said he previously had a sports management company that had an office in St. Simon's Island. The other man's condo is next to that office building. Get out of here. So Stallings can only assume the delivery person figured that's where the invitation belonged. And the guy said, I saw my name. I never considered it. I opened it. And I said, this is not for me. He sent me a bunch of messages saying this isn't fake. I promise I have it. Stallings was runner up in the BMW championship during the FedEx Cup playoffs that enabled him to finish in the top 30 for the tour championship, which comes with a spot in the Masters. And it turns out the other Scott Stallings can plan on a trip to Augusta National too. All right! So we're going to give him some practice round tickets and take him to dinner on Monday night for doing the right thing. Okay, so this is what I was wondering. I was wondering, like, what's protocol here for someone getting your Masters invitation and, and, and getting it over to you? Because uh, I feel like the, the, the other Scott Stallings went, went above and beyond here. I never get anything for the other Daniel Bernstein in Chicago, the more famous and accomplished one. Wait, what is he more famous and accomplished? He kind of like invented email, I think. That was Al Gore, sir. No, and he's he, Daniel. Is also Daniel J, too. Oh. I, I'm not even the most important Daniel J. Bernstein in Chicago. Because, are you the most important Daniel J. Travante? <laughs> Daniel Julius Bernstein who he created incredibly important uh, computer code and also was some like represented himself in some major lawsuit where he defeated the US government. Oh wow, yeah, he's way more important than you. Yes. And I well come on, like throw me a bone. Like I should get something that says, "Hey, you know, Joe's Steak and Seafood has a Daniel J Bernstein you know, table ready for you." All right, hey, hey. I'm, hey, I'm how's also it going? happy that this guy <laughs> is a golfer. Like, could you imagine if this was a, a Scott Stallings who 
didn't care at all about golf and didn't recognize what this thing was and didn't realize that this meant to go to another guy with the same name who's a golfer. This could end up in the trash, man. Yep. Like, th- th- there's a lot of tragedy that could have come from this with the, the folks at Augusta being like, I, we don't know what happened. Of course you're invited to play at the Masters. Like, can you imagine? Like, I and I'm sure that once we got into, like, January, February, that he's sitting there going, aren't I supposed to be playing at Augusta soon? Where's my invite? <laughs> Have I been blackballed? Yeah, here, here, here is you, you Wikipedia Daniel J. Bernstein, and is this 51-year-old American-German mathematician, cryptologist, and computer so scientist. So wait, he's also younger than you? Yeah, and he's a research professor of computer science at the University of Illinois at Chicago. He is an, the, the export of cryptography from the United States was controlled as a munition starting from the Cold War until recategorization in 1996, and he brought the court case Bernstein v. United States. The ruling declared that software was protected speech under the First Amendment, oh. which contributed to regulatory changes reducing controls on encryption. And he represented himself. Wow. Yeah, this is a, this is a bad mf here. What do you, and what does the other Daniel J. Bernstein do? I talk about basketball on the radio. I make penis jokes. <laughs> well, it must be very important penis jokes then. Oh, yes. nope. Only the most important. Not at all. <laughs> uh, that is high noon. We do it every day around this time. And we enjoy it because we usually find some fun stuff. Coming up next. Not fun. Not fun at all. No fun. No fun. It's Bulls talk. It's Bulls talk. I'll be doing lots of that today. See, this is what this Daniel J. Bernstein does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also represented myself in a winning case against the government. (laughs) To say the word (laughs) on the air. You can't do that. Yes, I can. I'm representing myself. I'm here representing myself. This whole damn courtroom's out of order. I'm out of order. If I was the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Yeah, Bulls talk next. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.